Welcome to another episode of the Smart Play Podcast. With me here today, I have got Ryan Musselman, a content strategist and ghostwriter with over 16 years experience in content marketing. Hey, Ryan, how are you doing? Hey, man, good to have you. Or <laughs> good to have you. I thought I was on my podcast. It's good <laughs> to be here on your podcast. <laughs> no, thank you. Oh, that's uh, good. That's a great way you. to start a podcast. That's got to be your new intro, man. That's a great intro. Way. Yeah, we'll leave with that. <laughs> yeah cool no I'm, I'm really excited to have you on and you know, i'm excited to get into some stuff and this podcast typically i, I talk about all, all types of social media and personal branding and obviously you've been operating in that space for a while now and in particular you've really been killing it on linkedin i would love to dive into some of that stuff and sort of talk, talk about your personal content strategy for linkedin and some of the stuff that you've learned along the way and things like that but before we dive in I guess I'll, I'll let you take the floor and if you could tell everybody a bit about yourself and your background and just sort of where you came from and how you got into it that'd be cool yeah absolutely I, I got into LinkedIn producing content thinking I was just going to improve the relationships with people in my industry based on the job I was working at the time so I was in a VP of content distribution role content strategy role which I've held for the past 13 years just various roles like that and I thought I was going to be building relationships with more industry peers because we were all working remotely. So it was hard to get to different events and, and so on. This is still sure. early. It's 2020. It was 2022. So most of it had lifted on the COVID front, but still wasn't at full speed. Yeah, life just wasn't back to normal. Is that I started posting about more crystal clear type content and I stumbled into becoming a copywriter and content strategist from there. So my leap was, was from trying to build more relationships to I'm now a copywriter and I went from copywriter to let me just bring all my experience over these past 16 years into being a content strategist and then ghostwriter and brand builder and so on. So what, what a change of events in such a short amount of time that I did not expect. I didn't get on LinkedIn thinking, I'm just going to be a copywriter. It yeah. just happened that way. No, I love it. It's just real natural progression for you there and the natural shift. And, yeah. and I love seeing when people like yourself that you find a new path, but more often like the skills that you've been building over the past 16 years or however long it is, they all culminate into helping you in what you do today, which is really cool to see. Nice, man. Yeah, thanks, man. It, it, <laughs> it's LinkedIn is a special place. It's still very early. And I think people maybe don't understand the significance of that. And I just want to highlight that for a second. You've got platforms like YouTube where the barrier to entry is very high because the established norm has now raised in production level. It used to be really easy just to do simple videos and vlogs, but now the competition has gotten so fierce that people are hiring full-blown teams. Mr. Beast is an example, but it's too high of an example, right? Sure. So. Just those things really, like on LinkedIn, text posts are totally fine. You don't have to do carousels. You don't have to do video. You don't have to do audio events or live events. You don't even have to have a podcast. Just get really good at being crystal clear with written posts, and you're going to make progress. You'll attract an audience. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think, one, it's, a, a, it's great because it's a low barrier to entry in terms of the production side of things, but also... If you're not comfortable being on camera or if you're not a great graphic designer or you don't have the resources to pay for those things anybody can get on and to some standard start sharing their thoughts and opinions um through text right um so that side of it is super low 
and the comfort side of it is super low as well because you don't have to be on camera and stuff like that which is i think a huge win yeah and you got your barrier of entry of cost right if you're going to do video then most things can be done on an iphone now but you won't have that super amazing sound quality not that everyone needs that and I'm not trying to discourage anyone from doing video. <laughs> Dive right in. If that's where you're going. I'll be on YouTube eventually. But when you when it comes to LinkedIn, if you need a way to get in and crush it, do it. And I just saw someone post about Snoop Dogg yeah. going on LinkedIn. <laughs> so even traditional celebrities are now embracing the platform. Mr. Beast is on LinkedIn as well. And he posts frequently. Yeah. This is the place, man. This is a great place. Yeah. Yeah. And even talking about like celebrities and, and traditional like influences and stuff like that, like you are seeing more of them come on now, but it's still so early there. And like you said a minute ago, I think for everybody, even though we've all seen like most platforms, a slight dip in reach and stuff like that on the platform and things are constantly changing. It's still very early in the game. Yes, definitely. Definitely a good time to get in and Plant that flag early. Yeah, no, I love it. What do you think some of the biggest misconceptions are about LinkedIn? And why do you think there are so few content creators on the platform? Yeah, I think the, the big one still rings true. And for us as creators, we don't feel it as much. But this is the one that I still see has the biggest common theme. Isn't LinkedIn just that platform where you update your post anytime you change your job? And it's become far greater than that. And I'm going to share some data with you that I think is going to be really important for our listeners here. So yeah, I love that. in 2021, LinkedIn officially launched creator mode. And this is their first step into saying, we're going to embrace creators. We're no longer just a place to post an open job. So they launched creator mode, which basically gives you more access to resources like live events, audio events, just helps you get discovered more. And people connect with you by following you first instead of connecting with you through the invitation. But when LinkedIn started doing this, they now also started to sell more in terms of ads. And when they started selling these ads, they did some deep research. And here's three data points that I often quote all of the time. There are 65 million decision makers on the platform. And these are like people who hold the budget. So you want sure. to influence them. But they also produced this stat that said four out of five people are decision drivers. Now, let's distinguish those. They're not the decision maker, but they influence that decision maker. And so four or five people are influencing this big pile of 65 million who hold the budget. Then one of the best ways to get a hold of them is going to be content. We see all the cold DMs that go out there. It's really hard to make progress through cold DMs. I'm not slamming cold messaging sure. i know that it can work but the yield is just so low but the one that i really love is that in a recent study done 40 percent of b2b marketers that were polled in a part of the study said that linkedin is the best platform for generating the high quality leads like the ones who are ready to buy and are looking and it's because it's not like twitter or x i guess is what we would call it now that feels a little bit more like the wild west it's just unhinged you throw it out there Right? Not saying everybody does that, but there's a lot of sure. that. On LinkedIn, at least in the circles that you and I probably are familiar with, you don't get a lot of that. You get more of a, a professional, but courteous and more just a focused environment for commerce and business and relationships. So 
that is very yeah. significant when it comes to someone who wants to build a content business. It's not always about YouTube or the TikToks of the world for the brand deals and the ads. It actually can be because you're going to sell a product or a service. And that's significant. Yeah. And with those kind of stats, like what incredible place and what incredible opportunity to do that. I hadn't realized that the numbers were quite that extreme. And when we talk about the four out of five people influence those decision make it, those decisions, I, I, I suppose yeah. we're talking about the, you know, it might be like a marketing team or sales teams or people who are in direct contact with those decision makers. And I think that's somebody that most people don't think about when they're making content is, is you don't consider the broader circle around the decision makers. Everybody's going after the CEO or the founders, but in actual facts, you can get a good in by building a relationship with the people around them, right? Yeah, those decision drivers, right? Those four to five people that I mentioned, it could be someone as simple as an employee who is in digital marketing or in sales or in finance or any other industry, but maybe they work on a team and that team is looking to do influencer marketing, paid marketing, more organic marketing, could be anyone, or it could be completely irrelevant. Maybe someone's just looking to build a website and that decision maker didn't see the content, but the decision driver, namely the employee or someone affiliated with that decision maker did. And so now it's, I'm the person who saw it and this looked really good. This, this organic social media post that contained info about a website product or service that we're looking for. So I'm going to take that information and I'm going to go tell this decision maker who could just be their manager. And so those decision drivers are important. You have to keep them top of mind. There was a content creator who I was coaching very early on, had just started, but he kept posting content and he had previous, he does a lot of outbound sales. And one of the people that he was working with kind of went cold on him and she ended up responding after a number of weeks saying, Hey, I just want to let you know that I haven't forgotten about you, just been busy or whatever that excuse was. And I was reminded to reach out to you because I've been seeing your content on LinkedIn. So you're keeping people, you're staying top of mind in other people's mind, those decision drivers. Yeah. So that's a, an important marketing characteristic. We just have to keep in mind. Of course it is. Yeah. And just being present and, you know, reminding those people that you're still there and especially if you're not like a big outbound sales person or big on outbound sales like just maintaining that relationship through content is a real advantage right so we both come from content marketing backgrounds so it's, it's clear to us that content is very valuable and i like to think that more people are starting to catch on to the value and the advantage of producing content but i guess if you were to break it down for somebody who might not have a content marketing background or might be new to this how would you describe and this is a very broad question because of people's goals but how would you describe your content strategy and, and how to approach linkedin in, in building that relationships and the type of stuff you should be putting out yeah there's there's a couple of ways you definitely want to at least post three times per week and that doesn't mean your post has to be perfect and the, the common advice you're going to hear any creator say anytime this is given is you have to post, you have to engage, you have to build relationships inside of the direct messages. So all of that is really true. But how do you actually get started doing that, especially if you don't know who you're trying to target or what to post? 
And the short answer is you're just your gateway is just pay attention for a little bit. Maybe that means 24 hours of paying attention. Maybe it means 30 days, or maybe it means an entire quarter. And just learn to find creators. Go to the search bar, type in creators or hashtags or whatever content topics you want to cover. And just look at what other people are doing. Be very observant. Take notes. Practice writing some of their posts as if you wrote them yourself. Just go and rewrite them. You don't ever have to post them. And you should never... Not, I'm not endorsing anyone like copying and pasting or stealing some of the posts. What I'm saying is rewrite some of their posts and just practice. And rewrite it into your own terms, right? Even if you never post it, at least you're getting more familiar with the cognitive process of content creation. Yeah. And then the, if the day comes where you do want to make those posts, make the post. And if you get someone to comment on it, great. And if you don't, grab the link to that post, send it to a few friends and family that or maybe just as just friends or former coworkers who are in and around the content vertical you post. Ask them to ask them to give them your feedback and take notes and just keep going from there. Most people start off, they post something and it's crickets, or they get a few of their coworkers to like it. Or maybe there's a few people that they were already connected to that finds that content interesting. Don't be discouraged by that. That is social media 101. Yeah. Keep embracing the process. It'll build over time. Yeah, I love it. And I also and love that approach of looking for outside feedback. Because uh, I think especially if you're making your own content and you're not working in a content team or something like that, it can feel like you're in it alone. But most people, they're happy to give you genuine feedback, even if it's reaching out to somebody that you've met on the platform. So I love that sort of getting an outside opinion, asking people to break it down, especially because when you're just starting out in copywriting, something that makes sense to you might not make sense to the audience, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's one of those things that just requires a lot of iteration. There's often far more failure at first, which is really just that word is strong. There's a lot of adaptation required, right? Sure. It requires a lot of patience and it can be frustrating at first. Just know that in advance. That way, when it inevitably happens, you, you can have just a better mindset of, yeah, but this is, I'm still learning, right? It's not that you suck. It's just that you were learning. And the more you learn, the better you're going to get. I like how Alex Ramosi says that. Like the difference between someone who's starting and someone who's really successful is just this knowledge gap. So close the gap by just getting the knowledge you need to be over here on the successful side. It's not because they're a rocket scientist or some genius that you are not. They're often not all that much smarter than you are, if even that. Yeah. Just they've closed the gap. They've learned more than you have in that current moment. So catch up by learning the information. Yeah, I love that. And what a brilliant way of looking at it. And I also think this is true in life, but I've definitely seen it on LinkedIn in that like, You've just said there, like in many cases, the people who are ahead of you say, or ahead of you is a strong term, but ahead of you in terms of their content creation and their follower count and stuff like that, they're not necessarily people that are smarter or have more experience than you. They've just figured out the platform and how to write. And I see it all the time where, you know, I'll, I'll see new creators who are previous CMOs and they've got way more experience than I have. And yet they're not getting any traction on their LinkedIn. And so the balance was all over the place on there, which I always find to be super interesting. Yeah, definitely. And people are starting to look at LinkedIn creators the same way they'd look at a YouTube creator. Most of my audience, unless they're a paying customer, didn't have any idea of what my background was. They're not going to my profile. 
and looking at my previous work experience, reading my about me section and, and so on, they don't probably even go to my profile unless they're going to just go there to get access to one of my posts. They're reading my content. Yeah. And that's an important behavioral distinction because of what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, if you think that LinkedIn is a job search platform and therefore only use it anytime you have a job update, then you're going to limit yourself to other opportunities. And often what happens is the people who are engaging with your content, if you're trying to build a business online, are more than likely going to be the people that buy from you down the road. Now, there's two categories there. There's the people who engage with you and buy, or there's that hidden category of people who don't engage with you and end up coming to you and saying, I've been following your content for the month, and I wanted to reach out and learn more about your service. They're just dwelling and thinking and evaluating, right? But you're keeping yeah. them warm through the content. So learn to embrace LinkedIn as a content creation platform first, and the rest of the job updates and all of that stuff that was historical and classic LinkedIn, that'll just fall into place as you're creating content. Yeah. So circling back to learning to create content first and, and filling that knowledge gap, what would you say, whether it's just scrolling through your feed or whether it's like the people that you've worked with, what would you say are some of the biggest and most common mistakes that you see people making? The big one when it comes to content creation is just throwing a post together, but not thinking through your hook, your formatting. And it doesn't even have to be a CTA at this point. You really only need a call to action if you're selling something. Now, I know people will say, it could be a call to action to the comments, so you're playing for engagement. That's fine, too. But your hook is your most important line. And I, I know that there's just such an abundance of information out there on hooks. But what you're really trying to do with that first sentence is just draw the reader into a conversation with you. Because that reader is actually a scanner. So they're readers in disguise, they're scanners up front at face value, meaning they're going to go and just quickly sure. look over your post without any real intention of reading it, unless you give them a reason to do that. And so when you're making hooks, make it intentional, not clickbait, but make it intentional to, to drive them in. Sometimes people say things very simple, like how to build a brand. Okay. That's not a bad hook. It often would be called a beginner hook. Yeah. But if you change how to, for example, to something like how you, you is a very powerful word. Now they're being center stage with the spotlight and you could add a dimension of time or an action. So instead of how to build a brand, how you can build a brand in 30 days without buying an online course. And you just got more specific with the individual who's trying to build a brand fast, but maybe has a small budget. Those things are helpful. Now, building a brand in 30 days, can someone really do that? Probably not. So maybe it's more so how to build a brand in three months without spending a dollar, right? Sure. Those things along the lines of creating hooks are really important. And the second one would be format your post. Don't have a wall of text. Have a line that could be longer first and then shorter as you go down. And now your eyes are being trained to go down a page like a funnel. And it just makes it really easy to scan. And on LinkedIn, that's been a proven format. It's called cascading down. It's just a proven way that people will look at a post and it just looks cool. But you yeah. can also see it on a mobile device where most people are reading. And it's not one sentence that bleeds into another line. It's just one line and then the next line gets shorter and shorter down to a main point. Now it takes a little bit of practice, but those are the two biggest things that I've seen that drive someone to stop your post 
engaged on your post. Get those right. Yeah, I love it. And the formatting thing, I think it's, that's still massively undervalued. And it's something that a lot of people yeah. still need to work on and a lot of content creators still need to work on as well. And I think as a consumer, you know that when you're scrolling through LinkedIn, when you hit the see more button, if that opens up, depending on what opens up and what that looks like, I'll know instantly how much of it I'm going to read and whether I'm not, I'm going to carry on reading that post. So I think that formatting is, it, it triggers like a real instant response as to whether or not you're going to continue to get their attention. So going back to the hook, I just had one more question on that. I, and I loved some of the, sure. uh, the tips and tools that you've um, given out there. And they really are sort of pieces of the building block. But one thing I, I wonder, you write some of the best hooks I've seen on LinkedIn to start there. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it just is what it is. And it's very inspiring to, to watch how you write. Uh, and you know, you've taught many of us, um, even content creators, a, a lot with your content. So thank you for that. But I'm very curious, when you write your hooks, obviously you have these building blocks. Do you have a process or do you have a method, whether it's going away and coming back five minutes later or whatever it might be, to analyze whether or not you think that hook will do the job? Yeah, I usually put a placeholder line there first. So it frames how I'm going to think about the rest of the post. But the hook is usually the last thing that I finalize. So I may write a draft first, so it gets me in the mode to continue creating the rest of the post, the body. But when that post is done, then I'll go back and reframe the hook. So it better captures the most important element that I'm trying to drive home. I did that today when I was creating this carousel about how to pick your niche. And I previously the hook title, how to find your niche. And that could have worked just fine, but I think picking it is super important. And it was interesting. I got someone that said, you don't pick your niche, you discover your niche. And there's an element of truth to that, but you still have to pick a direction you want to go so you can benchmark your testing and your learning. All that to say, the reason I said how to pick your niche is because that's what's most common in someone's mind. How do I find my niche? How do I pick my niche? How do I determine my niche? How do I select my niche? All of those things are there. The most common one I hear is, how do I pick my niche? And so I went with what I think people would be saying and thinking in their heads. And that's just a, it, that takes time. You don't get that at first. Of course. You have to just be thinking about the hook. So I had five different <laughs> hook slides how to find your niche, how to pick your niche, they had different graphics, all that stuff. That part takes forever for me sometimes because I'm just thinking through the, probably overthinking some of the yep. smallish pieces of details. But it's those small details that add up, right? They definitely do, man. They really compound in there. And I don't want someone to hear that and think, okay, I need to go back and really evaluate. No, I'm not trying to get <laughs> you to dive into the deep weeds minutia i could have used that other hook how to find your niche and it probably would have been just as fine I, this is me as a creative battling through some of my <laughs> own desires for perfection which can be very frustrating at times so don't overthink it try things out test and learn amazing that is pretty cool i love to see how you think about that and how you approach it and and yeah no good to hear that no matter what stage you're at you're still battling with your inner perfectionist Oh, yeah. 
Totally. totally. Yeah. There's times where I have a post scheduled. I'll wake up in the middle of the night thinking, why did I say it? Like, that's so dumb. And uh, I'm going to go back and change it. And I'm really hard on myself, but I shouldn't be, man. But it will wake me up in the night. But to some degree, that has helped me because it, it causes me to pause. Sure. Think and evaluate and ask those questions. Sometimes it's a little overbearing. You're like, you're overthinking this. And now you're paralyzing your mind from being productive when the first iteration you had was just fine, you could have yep. gone to something else. But, you know, maybe follow some of those cues as just actionable advice here. Follow some of those cues, explore them, but then go back and look at your data. Okay, did I make this change and it resulted in a growth or did I really need to overthink this? The post did well anyway. It'll help you relax a little bit. Sure. Following you over the last few months and stuff, you're obviously, you've gained a lot of traction over months and months of compounding efforts and, and work and stuff like that. I think at this point of time, you're, you're nearing 40,000 followers. Um, what are the different approaches and what would you say are the differences that you've, how you've had to adjust as your following has grown uh, and have you had to change up your angle? Have you had to do different things to scale to the next level? Yeah, the strategy for me has had to change with the onboarding clients. And that's because I'm heavy on the ghostwriting side right now. Now I'm pivoting a little bit to help more creators. That's what I'm ultimately passionate about. But I do, I am passionate about helping and coaching other people build their content business. And so the more I onboard clients, the less time I have. And of that, course. <laughs> for the first part of this year, or at least from about February to even today, onboarding and scaling with new clients has been heavy. And so I haven't been able to do as many carousels as I normally wanted to do, like I was doing in the fourth quarter of 2022. So the, that's where things require the most adjustment is when my time is going to creating content for other people, there comes this, this pullback of what about the content you still need to create for yourself, right? Because it's still a brand that you have to build in order to attract clients and maintain that conversation. So for me, it's just making sure that you set aside very structured time to write your client's content, make sure it's good, top-notch, and list other freelance writers if you need to, or get ChatGBT to do some prep work and some framing so you can go in and be a master editor and make sure it's being representative of the quality that you need to have. So just finding the right resources, tools, and assistance to, to drive aid. Sure. No, I love that. And then you, throughout your journey on LinkedIn, correct me if I'm wrong, but you started building your personal brand on LinkedIn before you were selling services on LinkedIn. What would you say have been like the major differences and challenges in transitioning from just building your personal brand to trying to sell your service on the platform? Yeah, there's, it's funny. There hasn't been that much of a, drastic difference, I just started saying I have an offer that can be bought. So for the first roughly since April of 2022 to January 1, I, didn't, I made $0 online in April and in, in 2022, zero. And, but I wasn't selling anything. I didn't know what to sell. I wasn't even thinking about that because I had a different motivation at the time. And it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning of the call, just building the relationships, even though I had pivoted and went into the copywriting side. But it was January of this year 
when I went from just posting content to get engagement to then saying, here's my current offer of ghostwriting. And I rewrote my about me section to represent that. And then I started making calls to action in my actual content. And that changed it all. If you're someone who's getting engagement or doesn't have engagement, don't wait either way. Make sure your profile is updated to showcase your offer and then make some calls to action and see if anyone bites. And if no one does, just keep creating, keep building. And if people do, there you go. You know you're on the right track and keep honing in and testing other messages. I don't, I would say that if you're new and you're in ghostwriting specifically, I would build an audience first or build some traction or at least be really good at showcasing how you would write for a brand and think about it that way and then begin making an offer. It doesn't take, you don't have to wait nine months like I did. You, you can do it after, you can do it on day one, but it's good to have some social proof. In. Of course, yeah. And I think if you're, if you're going to do it earlier on, you need to be prepared for the fact that it might take a little bit longer to get yeah. traction, right? Yeah, and here's a good thing you can do too. If you have a colleague or you have, maybe it's an old boss or anyone, and they have a good connection account, right? Ask if you can write a post for them and just have them make that one post. And if that post does really well, then you can take credit for that engagement because you wrote those words and now you've got social proof. You can do that a couple of times. And now you've got a portfolio of, I ghost wrote this and this. It got these impressions and these engagements and these comments. Now you have yourself a really cool example to say, hey, paying clients or potential clients, here's an example of my work. And yeah. that's a really cool way to, to just burst onto the scene. Yeah, that's a, that's a really strong piece of advice. I've seen lots of people recommend, but it doesn't matter what industry you're in, right? I've, I've seen lots of people recommend to freelancers to volunteer a few hours a week with a client. But I love the fact that you could actually, you know, you can go smaller than that if you need to. And it could just be like a single piece of content that you're creating for somebody if it's the right somebody. Definitely. Uh, I noticed recently that within your own content, you've started to integrate, I'd say, more personal stories and more personal stuff. For, in your opinion, like, where's the right balance for personal content and, and content for building the business uh, and gaining clients and stuff like that? I've always had a very hard line conviction that there should be no personal content. And I, as I think about that now, I don't hold that same position anymore. So I got feedback from a friend who I trust that basically said, there's actually two of my friends. They said, you're doing, you're really great at framework, firm style content that appeals to a sales process. But I've heard someone say, they love your content. They just don't feel like they know the person behind it. And that really struck a chord with me. I couldn't let that go. Yeah. So I started testing that and I posted something about my, my wife and I, and it's really more so about my wife and, and her story than it was to my story, but it got great reception. And I'd say that the differentiation for me versus others is that I didn't do that for the first year. It took a long time for me to post something personal like that. I had built up an audience. Therefore I felt, okay, maybe they should get to know me a little bit more. 
And that's why I've been leaning into that. And now I, I lean into it a little bit more. I'd say at least one to two times per week, I add that in there because I'm trying to have a deeper relationship with the fellow creators. I'm trying to help. And it does create a relatability factor that you don't get if you're always just trying to help someone grow on the platform or if you're always trying to sell a product or a service. So I do recommend it at this point. Yeah. Really cool to see how you've transitioned and grown with that as well. And I think it's super important that building that personal uh, connection, whether that's through personal content, whether it's through video, however you approach it, building that relatability on, on a human level is so important if you're trying to grow through content, right? Yeah, it is. It is. You, you want people to trust you and know that you're a human behind it. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to do that, but do it every now and then. And you don't have to open up the floodgates and have big, deep, difficult stories to tell. It can be something as simple as when I first started off in my career and I was a new manager, I was micromanaging and it caused this issue and, and this issue. And then you can make a lesson out of it and turn it into a teaching moment. So don't feel like you, there, there has to be just this, this time of, I've got to put my heart out on my sleeve and I'm going to go deep in all the things I struggled with. No, just have some stuff in there that's relatable and you'll find it's much deeper than you think and far more relatable as well, which is the ultimate goal of a personal story is for you to share your experiences so others who have similar experiences in and around that and that creates that connection. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I've spoken to other content creators who live on the other extreme and they share a, a lot of personal content. And I never really understood that approach, but there was a female creator on the platform who shares a lot of fitness content. And when I got speaking to her, she said that she had clients reaching out to her, not for the fact that she was sharing really valuable posts or, or, on her topic and stuff like that, but because um, something resonated about the, her gym routine, um, and that sort of made her more relatable uh, and made her stand out above everybody else in her market. So I think really interesting to see how powerful these sort of personal pieces are. So when you are, when you have an idea and when you have a new piece of content or a new style, something like posting personal content that you would like to try. Do you have an approach or do you have a process or how you run sort of experiments or how you approach testing new pieces of content and new angles? How do I basically test an idea before I release it? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's tough, man, because you're, you can, going back to what I was saying earlier, you can psych yourself out when you shouldn't have psyched yourself out. But if you ever really do want to test a concept and post about it, find a big creator who has similar content to you and let them post something. And if you can make your post idea relevant to their post, but in their comments, format it and post it in their comments as if you were making that as a standalone post, right? So have a good hook, have a good body that's well formatted, include a CTA if you want. I wouldn't recommend selling a service on another creator's post, but just have something that invites engagement to the comment you made and treat it as if it was a post. If it gets really good engagement, then you can take that comment and turn it into a post. I've turned many comments on other creators' posts into posts. And in most cases, it wasn't 
intending it. I wasn't intending it to be a standalone post, but that is a method that does work. So I've had, I've done a comment that's gotten like 96 likes on a Justin Welsh post. I just turned it into a post. Yeah. And does well. I I love that. That's such a great way of of testing concepts and testing ideas and, and, and just getting proof and validation for a post before going live. You mentioned Alex Wormosey earlier. He's got a, a one hour breakdown of his complete social media content strategy that he recently published on YouTube. Very interesting watch. And one of the things that I loved about his approach is that he puts out a tweet first. He said he tweets five to 10 ideas throughout the day and he has a real low barrier to entry on the stuff that he tweets. And then if something gets traction, then he'll move it to an Instagram post. And then if it gets more traction, he'll upcycle that into a podcast episode, a YouTube clip. And he keeps it upscales and upscales once he gets validation. And I love that you've just mentioned doing the same thing there with your comments, because actually you don't need to have multiple platforms to get proof of concept. You can just do it through commenting or through having a conversation. You certainly can. I once did a text post that brought in a whole host of leads. Then I took that text post and I changed it a little bit and put it in a webinar. And then I put it in a video and then I made it a podcast episode. Every single time I got some form of lead or very unique piece of feedback that said that was just a wonderful way of breaking down a concept because it included a full-blown transformational scenario of imagine you're this person, you have this need and this problem, and you ultimately end up with this better future and you did it with this solution. So I had it in this very specific framework and I just used it and repurposed it all on LinkedIn, except for the podcast episode, which was on Spotify and Apple, did really well. So when you find those things, keep note of them, track them, use them, change them, embrace them, and post them because they're really good for building the the traction. Yeah. A great way of, of just getting more and more out of it and upscaling and things like that. Um, the other thing that that you mentioned there is like the particular type of post that you used. Um, I've seen you talk about that a few times. Is it vision casting? You normally call it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. That that's such a powerful method. And, uh, and again, I, I think you actually taught me that as the first time I'd ever thought about that particular angle and I've tested that a couple of times now and it's a really powerful format for posting. Love it. So that's a a really cool tip there. That's right. I'm glad to hear it's working for you, man. Keep going with that. Good for you. (laughs) No, thank you. So uh, that's actually all of my questions that I wanted to run through today, but is there anything in particular that you'd like to share with the audience? No, I just, I have a really cool digital product launching soon. It is my parade system. It's basically everything that I wish that I had and didn't really know I needed when I first started. So formatting styles, templates, lead gen templates, engagement templates, carousels, uh, full formula for rewriting your about me, which we talked about earlier. I included a chat GPT idea generator, banners and featured sections all of that, and then a full-blown content creation system. And it's all on Notion, very easy. So I'm releasing that soon. And my hope is that it just changes the way people create forever. I put a lot into it and and I'm pumped to share it. So that's my big thing. It's been weighing me down for for the past month, weighing me down in a good way because it's, we're finally getting to the point where we're ready to launch it. So it's it's an exciting time here to end the summer. Amazing. Look forward to it. 
thank you for coming on. It's, it's been a pleasure and it's been really insightful. Dude, thanks for having me, man. I love seeing just other creators and embrace their craft and dive in. So congrats on all the progress you're making and I'm rooting for you, buddy. I can't wait for a future episode when I get to come on and hear about all your growth and what you've been doing, who you've been speaking to, and just know that I'll be rooting for you, man.